Good morning. All right, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us enough to send your only son to pay for our sins. God, I pray that as we open your word and read your gospel story, that it challenges our hearts to want to go out and share it with the world around us that desperately needs you. God, we love you. We ask that your words are spoken and not mine. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you love to tell stories? Anyone here like to tell stories? A few hands, a couple, a couple good. good. Yeah, that's true. You like telling stories? Me too. I love telling stories. I love telling stories about my adventures at 100 feet below the ocean. I love telling stories about surfing and, and being surfing with orca whales. Uh, I love telling stories about climbing three different mountains on three different continents. I mean, I love to tell stories. But one thing I really get into when I'm telling stories is my fishing stories. Not little fish. I mean, I really catch the big fish. In fact, a story I want to share with you this morning is a story of a muskie. Right, Levi? My son Levi's back here. He's part of this story, but he'll come up in a minute. You know, I love to fish. I, 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 well, I really love to fish. It's, it's when I... I when I preach, when I teach, I get so excited. I, I get a little energized. You'll notice that by the end. But this is my favorite thing to do is to share the gospel with people. But when I'm not working and I have time just to go relax and recoup, I'm usually down on the dock at the camp with a pole in, in my hand trying to catch something uh, just to get my mind off of work for a few minutes and enjoy God's creation. But I love to and we, we go fishing all over. Uh, we, we like to fish here in southern Iowa. This is uh, about maybe 45 miles away. I'm not telling you which direction because it's a secret pond. But this is a, a, a 10 and a half uh, inch bluegill that weighed three pounds. Uh, so we've caught, we catch those by the hand. I mean, we just pile them in our boats. So at this secret pond that's not too far from here. But uh, I know you want to know now, don't you? I'm not telling so, but we catch those, but that's not what we're fishing for today. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. It was, it, well, okay, I'll tell you another story first. So, this slide came up. My wife thinks that I'm a little crazy when it comes to fishing. She goes, why would you want to go ice fishing when you look more like the lake than a human being? So, you know, she says sometimes I may take it to extreme below from this time, but it was, I think, negative 20, and I had to get out of the house. I was tired of being cooped up. I take Mondays off work on occasion, and it was like 80 below zero. No, maybe not. It was so cold and so bad, like five Mondays in a row, it, it was terrible. I'm like, I just have to go ice fishing before the ice is gone. So I went out, get my line in the water and fishing, and it started raining on us, like the drizzle. And so as by the time I moved, I was cracking. I was like... Like I was coming out of some eggshell. So my buddy took my picture and sent it to my wife. But I sometimes may take it to extreme. But today, I'm going to tell you a nice, warm fishing story. It was a beautiful day on the lake. We had just launched our boat. This is a picture of my boys in the boat. And I looked up and the sun was starting to come up. It's about 5.15 in the morning. It is absolutely gorgeous. The colors are spectacular. And you just stand there and you think, whoa. This is the perfect fishing day. The, the water is glass. You can see every single ripple from those water bugs on top of the water. I mean, this was absolutely perfect. Now, we were going after 
the giant fish in Clear Lake, Iowa. Does anyone know what the biggest fish in Clear Lake is? It's not those little ones, I promise. It is a giant I'm just kidding. No, it is a muskie. Do you guys know what muskie are? They call it the fish of 10,000 casts. And we've caught a few muskies, but I had never caught one over 40 inches. So about this big. And I was like, I want to catch one of those wall hanger muskies. So we started flipping our, our rods. Now we don't use those little ultralight rods like we do for, for panfish in southern Iowa. These are giant nine-foot rods that it takes two hands just to hold on to. Otherwise, drop it. And you grab that rod whip it back, and well, the lure itself, I, I made this lure that I'm using this day, and it's 12 inches long, and it's got four different blades of spinners on it, so it's this big, and I'm sitting there using a 100-pound test line, because they're big fish, and I grab that rod, and I pull it back, and I'm like, splash, and you could see it on that crystal that calm water, just this big splash. And then you grab that reel and you start cranking it in and, and you're pulling it through the weeds and around the weeds and around stumps. And you think, come on, is this the 10,000th cast where I'm gonna catch that wall hanger muskie to put in my man cave? And I'm reeling it in and I'm reeling it in and nothing bites. And I'm like, come on, Lord, you know. So, you know, because we all pray. It's not, it probably doesn't do a whole lot when we're fishing, but we still do it. And so I grab it and I cast it out again splash I'm like okay this could be the time and I start reeling and all of a sudden I'm like huh oh wait there's something that just bit my line I've got something on my giant pole with my giant reel with my 100 pound test line on this massive lure that I really thought I made well and I'm pulling it in I'm like oh I got a big one on here this is my wall hanger fish in Levi my son he's like I'll get the net and so he's reaching for the net and he's trying to put the net together because we hadn't even it's a collapsible net and long story short it's to get it together I'm pulling it in and the boat is because the fish is so big, and then he's pulling us back this way, and finally, after about 35 minutes, Levi reaches down, and he scoops up my fish, and, no, it wasn't that one, it wasn't even that one, those were other fish we caught that day, it was right here, I caught, I know, I caught a 42-inch muskie out of our lake, that weighed just about 30 pounds. That is amazing, isn't it? I mean, now that's a fishing story. And I'm standing there thinking, I am the greatest fisherman of all. Check this out, Facebook, right? I mean, that's what I'm doing. Facebook posting its thing. And I turn around and Levi, my uh, nine-year-old at the time, he's like, hey, Dad, I think I got one too. And he's not even fighting it. It's just like, dude, I like you got a big fish too. So I, you know, the fish is back in the water now. I grab the net and I reach down and I scoop up Levi's fish. And you know what happened? My bubble got burst. His was 43 inches long. Can you believe that? So I had to go to Facebook, delete, delete. Here's the big fish my son caught. So yeah, I love fishing, but I love telling stories. This is so cool. We are all storytellers. Did you know that? I mean, we all share stories. Some of us like to share our secret or our, our special recipes on, and then I put this in here and then added some thyme and some whatever, and brownies popped out. I'm not sure why you put thyme in there, but that was the only one that came to mind. You know, it's, it's so amazing. It's, we like to tell our hobbies. My wife, she does a lot of crocheting and makes these things that I'm, I, she makes 
stuff and gives them away. And she loves to tell me all about these patterns she's doing. And I'm thinking, musky, musky, musky. No, no, I'm trying to concentrate. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we love to tell stories about what we know. Some of us, um, like the Patriots, that guy could probably tell you all about the Patriots, right? And he's going to root for them tonight, I'm sure. We love to tell people stories things we're passionate about. But the reality is when it comes to the greatest story of all time, a story where uh, a creator did everything it took to save his own creation that hated him, we fail at telling that story. We would rather tell people about a fish than about a savior of the world. You see, we have this disconnect as followers of Jesus Christ, don't we? I mean, how silly am I when I sit there and think my story of a fish is more important to tell my unsafe friend than how they can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And today the challenge is, what are you doing as a storyteller? You are a storyteller, and I know that for a fact because God created you to tell a story. It's all throughout Scripture. We are commanded to share the greatest story, and yet it seems to be the one story we don't like to share, or we're afraid, or we're timid to share that story. We think, how can I share it? I don't want to screw it up. I don't know all the facts. I'm worried they're not going to like me after this story. And we'd rather talk about fish than about Jesus. And so today we're going to look at the story and we're going to walk through it. Now, there's no notes in your booklet. Two reasons. One is I forgot. And number two, I wasn't going to do them to start with, but Matt said I probably should. But I still forgot. So it was, I actually tried, but they weren't in the office because they closed for winter. So, but <laughs> this is the deal. You don't need them because at the end of this sermon, there's going to be a quiz and no one's allowed to leave unless they get 100% on the quiz. All right, so you're going to want to pay attention anyways. You can write it down if you want, but you probably won't need to. There's only three questions on the quiz, all right? So we're going to look at this uh, here in just a second. Once I, Oh, there we go. Find this, baby. Uh, we are going to look at the greatest story of all time. Now, how many of you know John 3.16? Have it memorized. Raise your hand nice and high if you got it memorized. Okay, John 3.16. In fact, we're going to quote that together right now. Let's quote this, the most famous Bible verse in the world. More people know this verse than any other verse in the Bible. Here we go. Let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Check this out. You guys are already have the entire story memorized. How cool is that? I mean, we already know the entire gospel story. And today we're going to look at this and put it in a way that's so easy for us to remember. And it should give us a motivation in our hearts to want to run out of these doors and remember those people who we desperately need to share the greatest story with. So let's look at this. There's three points. I like to go backwards here. They're point number three. Okay, see, that just messed up everyone who wrote number one for the points down. Point number three, there are three characters in our story of the gospel. Let's look and see who they are. I let you guys uh, do a little interactive here uh, talking. For God, character number one, so loved the world that he gave his only son. God, man, and Jesus. We got three characters in our story, don't we? There are three characters. 
our story today. Let's look at our characters here. The first character is for God. Man, we think so small of who God really is. The vastness, the magnitude, the amazingness of who God truly is ought to humble us. It ought to blow our minds away when we think about who God truly is. God, perfect in every aspect, lived from time past, and he'll live through time in the future. Look at what the verses say here about God. Uh, Here, I wrote down some verses here. Psalms 18 describes God this. It says, this God... His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Deuteronomy 4 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present time in trouble, or ever-present help in trouble. Psalms 48, for this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even to the end. Psalms 50 describes him this way, and it says, the heavens proclaim the righteousness of God. Psalms 73 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. And then John said it this way. He said, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness. Our first character is this. God, a perfect creator. That's who God is. And God looked down and the greatest thing God could have done was to share his glory with someone. That's the greatest form of love he could ever do because he was so content within himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the triune trinity of of the Godhead. They were content. They didn't need somebody to love. They were complete and fully satisfied by themselves, with themselves for all of eternity. But they loved us so much that they decided, God decided to create us so that we could experience his glory forever and ever. We could experience his perfect being in his perfect place forever and ever and ever. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? God does not need you. That's humbling. But God wants you. God desires you. The Bible said he craves you. He runs after you. He seeks you. He wants you to live with him in heaven, his perfect place forever and ever and ever. And so that's why he created the second character in our story, a perfect, holy, righteous, just God, so loved the world. Boy, is there a contrast between us and God. Look at what the Bible says we are. Here's the words of, of Scripture, God's words. Romans 3.23, we all know that verse 2, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or we're all sinners and we have fallen short of the perfection that God demands for us to live with him forever in his perfect place called heaven. Psalms 51 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Mark 7 puts it this way, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, and so on. Jeremiah said, The heart is more deceitful than all else, and desperately wicked. Ecclesiastes said it this way, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continues to do good. 
Galatians, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. Genesis 6, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And John chapter 3, 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. Do you see the contrast of God and who he is? God is perfect. God is righteous. God is without sin. God is love. God is all of these amazing things and he created us to dwell with him in his image of all this perfection and yet our human nature creeps out, doesn't it? And we are everything opposite of who God truly is. We have a serious problem because God desires you to live with him in his perfect place forever. And the problem is this, you're not perfect. You're not even close. You are so far from perfect, it's, the, it's impossible for us to ever obtain the perfection that's demanded for us to get salvation. And so God so loved us, a desperately wicked people, and he said, I would do whatever it takes to redeem my precious creation. I would do anything to make you perfect again. And our third character is introduced in the story. You see, the only way God's perfection, his demand of perfection could be satisfied is with a perfect substitute, right? And that is Jesus Christ. For God so loved you that he sent the perfect sacrifice. He sent himself through, manifested through Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say about Jesus? Listen to what scripture says. First Peter Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. John said, you know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Peter, again, in a different chapter said, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. John 1 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John again said in verse 8, or in chapter 8, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have life and light of life. Jesus in John 11 said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will not die, or though he die, yet he shall live. You see the contrast here? We have this amazing, perfect creator who loves his creation and desires a relationship forever with his creation. But his creation is us. We're the opposite of what God demands. And so God said, I will do everything. I will do what it takes. I would sacrifice myself to save you. And it took a perfect, righteous holy, just God to save us. And that's what he did. A perfect God loved an imperfect man, and so he sent the perfect sacrifice. That's pretty amazing what God did, isn't it? So we have, we're gonna do a quick review here. We've talked about our three characters. We have three characters in our story, point number one. We'll go point number three. Who are our characters? God, man, and Jesus, right? Okay, we're going to say, not everyone said that, so we're going to review. Three characters. God, man, Jesus. 
Jesus. Perfect. All right, let's get back to our text here. There's three characters, God, man, and Jesus. Our number two point is this. Now, see, that's actually in the two spots. So our two point is there are two destinies. There are two destinies. All mankind will go of one of these places. Let's For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should what? Not perish, but have eternal life. You see, two destinies. And all mankind is going to one of these two places based on their life here on earth. Not how they acted but what their heart did with Jesus Christ. And we'll get to that. Number two, two destinies, it's death and life. It's heaven or hell. Heaven and hell. What destiny do you have for you? You know, as we look at scriptures, let's, uh, before we get into it too much, let's look at what hell is. The Bible describes hell as an awful place, doesn't it? It does. We sit there and, I think we lose sight of how Awful hell is meant to be. Look at what God describes it as. Matthew 25, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Matthew in chapter 13, he says, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the ages. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And here's what happens. They will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for eternity. Second Peter says, hell is a place of eternal chains of darkness. I don't know about you, but I don't like punishment. I've been punished often in my life and I deserved it. You know, when you're bad in school as a kid, what happens? You lose your recess time, Right? When you speed, what happens? You get a ticket. Punishments aren't meant to be enjoyable, are they? Sometimes we do really stupid stuff, and the punishments are bigger. Man, the punishment for sin is eternal separation from God forever and ever in a place of torment. That's what Jesus described hell as. Have you ever burnt your finger on a fire? (laughs) Yeah. I remember as a kid... Growing up, we liked to go camping, and, and I remember sitting there around that campfire at night as the stars were shining, and we were just talking. It was actually up in the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota. We were up there after a long day of canoeing. We're relaxing. I had flip-flops on because we took flip-flops for just in case our shoes got wet. I had my flip-flops on. We made a fire, and I put my foot up on the, the ring that was on that. I don't, it had a ring there. And so I put my foot up on the ring, and it was nice and warm, and it felt good. And all of a sudden... That flip-flop caught on fire, and I could not get it off my foot. And I was caught on fire, and it's burning, and it's hot, and I'm running to the lake. Why? Because I want any kind of relief from that burning fire on my foot. I thought it would never go out. It was, imme- it was immense pain. It was awful. I hated it. I never want it to happen again. And God describes hell as a literal fire that will never... It is an awful, awful place. And God desires that no man will perish. Praise God for that. Amen. God loved you so much that he sent his perfect son so that you no longer have to be tormented in a place of punishment forever. 
praise God, right? Instead, he says, look, I have prepared for you a place that is so amazing. It will blow your mind away when you see it. I'm going away, but when I come again, I will receive you unto myself, and you will live with me, your king, forever and ever and ever, and you no longer have to worry about hell. You no longer have to worry about the torment because you are with me. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's not a small verse that we're looking at. God so loved you, God loved you so much that he did everything so that you can be passed from death to life. Look at what the Bible says about uh, eternal life in heaven. It's just the opposite. In Revelation chapter 21, it says this, verses 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For all those former things are gone, and everything is brand new. That is the destiny that God desires for you this morning, is eternal life in his perfect place that will have no sorrow, no sin, no sadness. That is amazing, isn't it? That's the story that God is giving us to share. How cool is that? And yet we want to talk about fish. Seems pretty small now, doesn't it? Man, the world around us led to eternal punishment. And sometimes we'd rather talk about ourselves than what Jesus did for them on a cross. This morning, maybe some of you need a heart check. What do you want to talk about when you leave here? It doesn't mean we can't talk about fishing. It doesn't mean we can't share those stories. But we can have a purpose, can't we? We can talk about something so much bigger. We can use those stories to tell people about a much bigger story, can't we? God gives us stories to share. So let's look at our thing here again. We're going to review. There's, what, three characters in our are they? Man, Jesus. There's two destinies, heaven and hell. That's good. So three characters, God, man, Jesus, two destinies, heaven and hell. And finally, there is one way. There is only one way. The world tells us there's many ways to reach God. There's many ways to be right before God. But you heard the verses. Look at who we are. We are desperately wicked. Our heart doesn't think one good thought outside of God. There's no way for us to gain the perfection that God demands for eternal life outside of a perfect sacrifice. Look at our verse here. How do we get that? There's one way, and that is to believe in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that what? Whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. How does our destiny change changed from eternal punishment to eternal happiness? Right in the middle of John 3:16. Believe in Jesus. It's so simple. Just like the song we sang, a holy God loved us 
that he sent a perfect sacrifice, which is grace. He gave you something you don't deserve. And all he asks is that you believe he's big enough to do it. How amazing is that? He gave you something you don't deserve. And all he asks is that you believe he's powerful enough to do it. Believe that Jesus is big enough. Believe that Jesus is sufficient enough. And you will be saved. The simple gospel truth. There's nothing fancy about it. We did nothing to get it. God did everything. He reached down, he grabbed you, he opened your eyes, he showed you your sin, and he grabbed you and he says, I want you, even though you hate me. And he says, I've already done it all. Just believe. We gotta believe that Jesus died for our sins. Believe that Jesus was perfect sacrifice. Have you done that this morning? Have you fell to your knees and repented of your sin and God said, God, I am a desperate, awful, gross, filthy sinner and I am nowhere close to the perfection you demand. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me. And God says he'll forgive you. Do you believe that Jesus is big enough to pay for your sins? We should. The Bible says that's the only way for eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm reminded of, a, of a, when I was a child, I was a little hyperactive. I don't know if you'd believe that because I'm pretty calm. But I was a little, I bounced off the walls, probably walked back and forth a lot like I do when I preach. But I was off the walls and I had a rough week at school. Now I went to a, a, a Grandview Park Baptist school in Des Moines. I was probably in third grade at this point, and I had a rough week. Me and the principal got to know each other real well, and the rule was that if um, you got in trouble at school, uh, I'm from, grew up in the 80s, and so they still used the paddle back then, so if I got swatted at school, that meant it was like triple when I got home, so, and I didn't even have to worry about letting my dad know, because the principal was kind enough to call, so, so I get home, I get off the bus, I already know what's happening, I've already went to the bathroom of the school, patted the back of my shorts to make sure, come on, I'm not the only one that's done you know, extra toilet paper on the backside because you know it's coming. So I was ready to go, and my dad gets in there and he goes, Jason, what's going on? I go, I, I don't know. They're out to get me. Or, you know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it, you know, which it was all my fault. And my dad says, Jason, you're not understanding what you're doing here. Do you understand that this is sin, and this is what Jesus died for? He loved you and paid for that sins. And he says, when we purposely sin, we're telling God we don't care what he did. He says, the rule was we took our, my dad, he'd drop our shorts when we were little, give us a swat, so the padding probably never mattered anyways. But my dad pulled his belt off, his leather belt. I was like, oh great, here we go, again. I'll take the pain, go to my room, whatever. And my dad took his shirt off. I'm like, what in the world, he's getting into this, this time I'm in trouble. <laughs> he takes his shirt off and he says, hold my belt. Then he leans over his bed he says, I'm going to take it for you. I'm like, what? My dad says, I love you. 
I said, you don't understand what this is doing to Jesus. You don't understand the cost that Jesus paid for your sins. And he goes, you are naughty, you are awful, you are disrespectful for your teacher, you deserve a big punishment because you're not getting it, Jason. He says, but I love you so much that I'm gonna take the punishment for you. You deserve four spankings today, but I'm gonna take them for you. And I said, I'm not going to spank you. You're my dad. He goes, I don't care. I'm taking the punishment for you. And I said, fine. And so I went like that, you know, I'm not going to do it. He says, that one didn't count. I'm like, it did count. He goes, it didn't count. Do it harder. And so I smacked him hard. He says, that one didn't count. It didn't hurt me. And he made me smack him harder. And my heart started to break. I'm like, I'm not going to smack my dad because I'm the one that did it. He didn't do anything. Why should he have to do it? And my dad made me hit him hard enough so that I could see the lines on his back. I knelt down and I prayed and I said, God, I'm sorry. Have you had a moment like that in your life where you truly understood what Jesus did for you on that cross? God loved you so much that he was willing to take every one of those lashes for you. He was willing to have his beard ripped out. He was willing to die a disgraceful death, because he loved you so much. What a story. How amazing is that story? And we sit here, some of you may be sitting here saying, I'm not part of God's family. I've never accepted Jesus Christ. Look at what he did for you. That is the ultimate form of love. No one will ever love you more than Jesus loves you right now. Believe in Jesus today. You will be saved. He will take every one of those spankings for you. He wants to because he loves you. If we put it this way, a little more personal, for God loved me so much that he sent Jesus, his perfect son, to die for me. And if I believe that Jesus paid the price for all my sins, I will not go to hell, but will live in heaven forever with Jesus forever. Do you believe that with all of your heart? You should, because it is the truth. God loves you. Amen? Amen. So what does that mean for us who are followers of Jesus Christ? We got a story to share, don't we? Maybe we need to skip the fish stories once in a while and share an amazing story of what Jesus has done in people's lives or what he wants to do in their lives. Let's do a review here real quick. We have three characters in our gospel story. Who are they? That was good, that was good. All right, there are two destinies. What are they? And there is one way, and what is that? Believe in Jesus. Believe. You know the story. The greatest story of all times. You know unsafe people around you too, I'm sure. Do you think when they stand before the throne of God, they're gonna care how big your fish was? They're not, are they? But they're gonna care about this story. You have neighbors that you live next door that you may have never talked to. 
You have coworkers that might know you go to church, but you've never shared the gospel. I was talking with a friend of mine. He's 68 years old or 70 years old now. Two years ago, we were talking, and, and he says, you know, I've lived a good life. I've never drank alcohol. I've never smoked. I've never done this. I go to church. I go to prayer meeting. I am a godly man, and I believe he is a godly man. He, I look up to him. He's a mentor, and uh, he's a great man. He loves the Lord. He is faithful and giving and kind, and he says, I... Uh, they know the gospel because of the way I live. And I challenged him this way. I said, you know, your words should be backed up by your actions, not the other way around. We aren't called to share the gospel by our lives. What does the Bible says? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Preach. How shall they hear unless we speak? Our actions should back up what our mouth has been saying for years. That's what our actions should do. Our actions prove our heart. That's First John all the way, isn't it? Our life, our love for Jesus is exemplified in our actions. That's what our actions prove. They don't teach the world the gospel. Our mouths are supposed to do that. And I challenged this man. I said, Don, you've met with these guys for 20 years having coffee. Have you ever told them the gospel of Jesus Christ? He goes, well, they know I'm a Christian. I said, why don't you try it this week? Thursday morning, I get a phone call really early. He says, Jason. I'm like, hey, Don, what's going on? He says, you're not going to believe it. I go, believe what? He goes, I went and had coffee with my buddies I've had coffee with for 20 years, and I told them about Jesus, and they're like, well, why haven't you shared this before? And he goes, and he goes wait, 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 that's not the best part. And he goes, one of them accepted Christ as his Savior right there while we're having coffee. How cool is that? I mean, you are not too old to share the gospel. You are not too young to share the gospel. You are not too shy to share the gospel. God has given you the most amazing story to share. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for loving us enough to send your only perfect son to pay for our filthy sins. Thank you for making the gospel so simple. Thank you for making it so amazing that all we have to do is believe and we're saved. Because we know if it was up to us, none of us could ever even come close being perfect enough. God, I pray that this morning if there was anyone here who was looking deep in their heart and searching out, are they truly a follower of Jesus Christ, that tonight or this morning that they will confess their sins to you and believe in their heart that you have raised Jesus from the dead so that they can be saved. God, I pray that uh, if there's uh, men and women, children here, uh, God, I pray that if you bring someone to their mind, that they will boldly approach them with the gospel and not just live it, but preach it like you've commanded us to do. God, you have given us such an amazing story of how much you love our neighbors and you've allowed us to be the ones to share it with them. God, I pray that you give this church boldness and faithfulness as they reach Mount Pleasant for Jesus Christ. God, we ask that you do a great work here through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. I pray all these things. Amen.